What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank Appreciate you. It. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What's the story behind you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually grew up in Stoneham, Mass, um, right outside Boston, uh, 20 minutes north of the city. And uh, for me, my, my story kind of starts, I'm, I'm 35 now, but my story kind of starts at uh, about 14 years old, right? Um, I grew up in a family that had an old school Italian, old school Irish. And I remember the day my dad came up to me and said, uh, John, uh, today's uh, the last uh, $20 you're going to get. And I, at you know, 14? 14 years old, right? Wow. So I kind of, like every other 14-year-old, would look at uh, my father and say, uh, you're kidding, right? Uh, he wasn't kidding. So... Uh, <laughs> At, uh, at about 14 and a half, I ended up getting my first job. It was uh, right down the street from my house. I used to ride my bike to it. And uh, I'd go down the road, and uh, it was actually a, a silk screen job. So that's where my, uh, my job kind of started. And you look at Black Red with the clothing line, and you look at where I started, and, and it, it all kind of connects with the long story. So um, are your parents uh, entrepreneurial in any way? Uh, so no, my, my dad was um, in electrical, and my mother uh, kind of stayed home with, with myself and my brother. Um, but I, I always had that drive, and I think with my father kind of saying, hey, get to work, Pushing that, 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 that was the beginning of me kind of saying, all right, well, it's time to go to work. I want so I mean, it sounds like a pretty clean, <laughs> cut, dry, quick story. You fell in love with screen printing right there on the spot? or uh, Yes and no, right? So I got into silk screening. Um, it was it was it was a job to me at the time, right? And I learned a lot about the industry at a at a very young age. I spent a couple years there, and uh, I actually went from there to uh, working for a detailing company. So, auto I, detailing. Auto detailing, correct? Yeah. So I learned detailing. I'll never forget a day. I was working uh, an eight to twelve shift, and uh, at twelve o'clock, guy came to pick up a Cadillac, and he threw the boss, uh, my boss at the time, a hundred dollars. And I just remember looking over. And seeing that transaction, and I did all the work on right. that Cadillac. So right. I was sitting there going, hold on, something about this just isn't feeling right. And uh, I saw that $100, and uh, a couple of years after that, I ended up starting my own auto detailing. Automotive detailing. Correct, yeah. So. Which is a great, it's a funny coincidence. Someone else that I had on this show, uh, George Varellis from Irontown Diner in Saugus, yes. he got his start in the automotive detailing business as well. Because it's, it's a low low cost of entry, right? right? right. It doesn't cost you much. Right. You can just kind of you know grab a couple buckets, some soap and some elbow grease, and all of a sudden you got yourself a little business. You kind of get going. Right? What a great way to get someone young. So how old are you at that time? So so that was uh, in around 16. So I, uh, that was in Melrose at the time. The silk screen shop was in Stoneham. So I grew up in Stoneham. So at 16, you had your own business. Well, I was pretty much running my own right. my own business. So I had the skill set to detail cars. And right. now I'm starting to, make, you know, starting to make some money. And I did that throughout uh, high school. And uh, when I got to college, I actually went to Suffolk in, in Boston. I studied uh, business and finance. And I actually worked 
uh, all throughout school. So I right. got a job at a car rental company. Uh, and the, the story kind of goes while you were at college while I was at school. I love it. Yeah, so, that's I mean, that's I did the same thing 30 hours a week. I was doing the same. I thing. mean, I'm, I'm working on a new series where we're going to be highlighting sort of topics. And one of my topics is 40 hours is not full time. Yeah, right. Because I mean, if you can manage to go to college, Suffolk University is not a you know, it's not a community college. It's, Correct. A, it's a very good school. So if you can get through that program and work 30 hours a week. Yeah. Um, so I was, I, yeah. was, I was moving to Jake and, um, but I really learned at that point how to multitask, how to get stuff done. Um, I learned at a very young age um, through my bosses at the time of what it takes to some extent, right, at that age with the maturity level I had at the time, sure. but to learn what the process is to own a business. Mm -hmm. And it's hard work. It's consistency. It's getting up early. It's, it's getting going. So here I am going through school. I'm having this whole vision of, all right, I got four years. What am I going to do after school? I, I'm going for business. I'm learning finance. Some classes you love, some classes you're just getting through. Right. But I'm also making money. And uh, one thing my parents taught me at a very young age was, uh, always, John, always know how to write a check and also um, understand how to save money, right? Because that, that's going to be a good thing. And um, when I was working for the rental company, what ended up happening was I was driving uh, clients back to the dealerships, uh, back to the auto body shops to... Um, you know, pick up their cars. So the guy I am, I could uh, talk to pretty much anyone. The right? salesman you were, you mean? Right, right. right. I, I'd say, uh, you know, how, how's things kind of going? And and they said good. And I said, are you going to a great shop to pick your car up? Um, you know, are you excited to get it? And they'd say, you know, it's it, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm definitely excited. I said, if if you ever need any type of uh, car cleaning, I said uh, I do some car cleaning on the side. Uh, and, and I give them a card, right. and I couldn't tell you how many people I dropped off and, and gave cards. And you would get a call. I get a lot of calls. Right, um, and it's coming from a body shop. I mean, everybody knows when you bring your car to an auto body shop, it always comes back dirty. It's just it just smells inside. Is, yeah, There's dust everywhere. Is. Right, so it's quite, it's perfect. What what happens after that? So what do you dissolve that company or yes. eventually just sort of yeah, move so on? The, so the detailing company went on actually for a long time. Um, why I ended up closing it was uh, products were getting very expensive. And I had to make a decision of where I really wanted to commit my time. And I said, you know, I think it's just for me, it was, it was a lucrative run, but it was time for a change for me. Um, and uh, back in 2009, uh, I was at an apartment in Stoneham at the time, and I was always creative. I always liked drawing. And uh, one night, uh, I remember I was just uh, in my living room, and I was drawing up a couple things, and uh, here comes Black Red Headwear, right? And now it's 2009. So I, I still have the piece of paper that I actually drew the logo on. I've kept it and I framed it. Um, but that was the beginning of, of um, So what inspired Black that? So you say you were just, you were home. Yeah. Like yeah. What, what, so what inspired that? Were you just... I needed I need a change, and I think that You're post-college now? You graduated from university? Post-college, Yeah, correct. so you're right. sort of trying to figure out, okay, now it's... It's, it's buzzer. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, go I, time. I, I got to figure it out. Now you're obviously immediately thinking entrepreneurship. Exactly, yeah. But, but why... Why get into the apparel business? I was when you're coming from the detailing business, you could have went to a body shop, you could have went to right. a towing company, you could have went and stayed in the automotive space. Could have, could have been my partner, right? Right, right, but, right, right, right. <laughs> but you chose to go apparel. Why? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me it was I. I always liked um, this is the the main reason. I looked at uh, companies like Fox Racing and what they did with the dirt bike scene. They dominated it. I looked at companies like Hurley and what they did with the surfing right. scene, and they dominated it. There's a company called Neff Headwear that does great in the snowboard scene. Right, and um, for, for reference, for context, yes. growing up, especially in the 90s and before, exactly. none of those brands 
had an apparel company associated with them. They were just making, yep. they weren't making and selling those jackets to the public. But by the time the early 2000s roll around, yep. there's this huge trend, huge trend in that motorsports wear. And people started wearing Fox as a brand t-shirt Absolutely. similar to you, Nike. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you saw that coming. I saw that coming. And, and I think at the same. Were you fond? I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, no but worries. were you into motorsports? So I, I loved uh, adrenaline in general, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved detail and I loved the cars that would come in. Um, You'd get excited about I'd get excited doing different about cars. That. Yeah. And I said, you know, it, it, it was kind of the route I chose. I was always a sports guy, but at the same time, I was a sports fan and a car guy, which you don't see often, right? The, right. the guys that like both. Um, but I really fell in love with, with cars and trucks. And I looked at the truck industry, and, and the one thing I liked about it was no one was dominating it. It was completely open, right? So I, I had a I had a really nice public that I could go after that no one else was going. So you're at. looking at the truck market or the trucker, and in, in, exactly. in other words, people that drive pickup trucks. Yeah, exactly. Which is now also another trend that's been sort of piggybacking that that motor motorsports trend. They've exactly. sort of come up together as this you know four door pickup truck. I mean, I'm in the automotive space and I yes. have been for a while. I've, yeah. s- I've seen this firsthand. So you're you're piggyback. You're putting two two market segments together and this is the genius behind your brand is that you're recognizing that there is a need or a desire for a brand that's associated with with a pickup truck the same way it would be for a motorsport um and so yeah you're you're exactly right so i said to myself all right well let me do some competitive research let me really uh, make sure that no one's in the space and if someone is well i'm going to be some healthy competition right, right, right there with you <laughs> yeah right? never be scared um, of competition right, right? let's yeah. bring some innovation let's bring some mm-hmm. new stuff to the table and uh and that was the beginning right uh it started with the drawing and then I said, 2009 well, 2009 um i hit the trademark space went through that whole deal in which uh mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty uh pretty interesting to learn and it went straight into creating websites so um you had an idea for a logo correct and talk to me a little bit about what, when you experienced that sort of revelation that that's what you wanted to do. What what kind of what kind of envisioning did you do? Because I have my own process. Right. I'd be curious to hear your process. So what was it like? Was it eat, sleep, and you know what, that brand all the time, or were you sort of using your spare time to focus in on it, or were you trying to narrow down what part of the apparel market? Did you know it was going to be hats right away? Did you think it was going to be you know? shoes or whatever it was how talk to me a little bit about that yeah right so i i really looked at neff headwear a lot uh, in the snowboard scene i loved what they were doing for the snowboard guys so why uh, that's one reason i said you know what i really i, I want to start with something and and the headwears was the headwear was the start to that um when it came to the design i, I wanted things just to be very nice simple and, and clean uh, and, and the name behind Black Red, at the time I had uh, some cars and trucks and, and everything was had the black and red theme to it. So I, I just kind of put things on paper and like right. anything else, right? Nice. Someone sees it and says, well, that's, that's actually really cool, right? Right. That was uh, my next question, actually, yeah. is what the name. But, right. Right. but so really everything you owned was black and red? Yes. Yeah, so at the time it had that black and red theme, it. right? And, and I feel like a lot of people, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of self-employed people put too much weight in the name. Yeah. It's right. more how you brand the name, how you execute the brand, the culture you build behind it. You know, there's a lot of names that don't make any sense. You no, know, that's a good point. You that's, know, I mean, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Right? I, I had a lot of guys come up to me and say, I actually, I like that a lot. I, and, I do like your name. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, what, what's Nike? What, what does Adidas even mean, right? And uh, Well, Nike it, does have a good backstory, but there are other ones. Do, yeah, do, there are right? a lot. I can agree with you. There are a lot of brands that just don't, I mean, they don't have any backstory yeah. um, at all. And they do very well because they build a huge culture behind it. 
Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. So uh, I had a lot of guys that kind of follow that same theme. They said, hey, my, my truck's red. My my friend's truck is black. And hey, we should do a photo shoot right, <laughs> right. off the bat. So it was just cool how people kind of came together for it. And like anything else, if, if you push marketing uh, to the right people, uh, and, and, and show them that, you know, you're here to, to grow in the space, uh, they'll grow with you. And right. Was- and so in 2009, when you're starting, you're developing the brand, um, you got a logo, you have sort of a vision, um, what side of sort of back work does it really take to get into that apparel company? Because a lot of people want to sell apparel. It's one of the, uh, businesses that most young people want to be in. Everybody wants to be in the apparel business. So Talk to me about what it takes once you have a vision of what you want to do. You got your your logo. Now what? Because it gets complicated. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's definitely a lot of work. I, I was pretty blessed to work for that silk screening shop at such an age, a young age, because I learned some of it. Right? I learned uh, the the back end design. I learned um, more about silk screening and cost. Um, right, and the practicality the of the practicality work. Yeah. of the work. The and physicalness of, of doing it, right. In, inventory alone, inventory control. Um, but at the same time, I said to myself, well, I, I, I got to learn how to create a website. And, and like we, like some of us know, websites to create uh, 10, 12 years ago are not the same as today. Right, yeah. Right, so I, uh, I, I got a book on, uh, it was actually, a, it was a paperback book, and it, it basically taught myself code, uh, and that took a while. That right. took a little bit to learn. You're talking like HTML code, exactly. Yeah, yeah and this is a this is a business finance guy, kind right? Of digging right. Into some code, right? Well, so. I went through. I literally am going. You know, I'm having flashbacks of having right. the same issues. Right. I had to learn right. how to use. To, I went to school for it, but I right. had to learn how to use it practically. And it is it was very difficult. And and we had spoke earlier about how much easier it has become right. to right. do that. It's such. It used to be such an advantage to have a website so right. it was worth putting the work in and now it's almost like it's a necessity and it's also become just easy to do so it's like why don't you yeah. but for you you're you're going your part of your vision clearly was e-commerce you saw that that's where it was trending towards you weren't looking breaking brick and mortar for me i'm a, I'm a brick and mortar guy I, I i love being on the ground i see that sort of as like old school business mm-hmm. and then there's this new school business where they're virtual they do. They transact online. They they don't they don't showcase you know uh, inventory the same way. Um, both have their benefits. Both are different business models. But what intrigues me the most is how do you put that package together as opposed to a brick and mortar store where you focus you should be focusing more on experience and product design um, and layout and marketing and things like that. Comparing what you're doing to say what I'm doing or any brick and mortar, where did you get the where did you get the information to do that? Because it was still relatively a newer concept back in 2009 2010 and why did you go down that road yeah it was um one of the things once once i actually learned to design the website i said okay well uh, i knew a lot of my buyers were in the truck scene at the time were in texas and in florida and down south i said all right i need to get exposure to those areas and so i want i want my website just to, to be clean and informative and back 10 years ago the biggest thing were blogs Right, uh, not so much anymore today. Everything's right. pictures and visual, and it was the podcasting of its day. It was. So right. I yeah. was blogging, and uh, and people, I, I started to get a lot of followers through through the blogs, and I'd write about um, what was going on in the industry at the time, and it was less about my product and more about what's going on in the industry. And I noticed at the time that there wasn't a lot of information out about some of the shows and everything else. And I started to kind of blog about events and, and what was happening and, and maybe some guys that are doing things really well. So you were buying your way through blogging, via blogging, into the culture. You're absolutely right. Right, you were buying credibility exactly. in the marketplace 
by getting involved in its community. Exactly. So if you listen to my podcast series, probably the biggest thing you could take away from it right now is how important it is to be involved in your community. Because regardless of whether or not you're a brick and mortar store or a virtual store, you need to still be involved in the community of the people you serve. And it's such a genius move. So I didn't, I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I mean, a lot of things we talk about can be a little more predictable, per se, but I, I'm blown away by how your answer is literally the same as what I've been preaching to every brick-and-mortar store, which is become a part of your community. That doesn't mean you should hold signs up you know, and do yard sales. It just means know the people you serve and learn how to serve them what they want. And it's brilliant. So you went on, so talk to me a little bit more about that. So you went on to these forums and just Facebook pages, I'm sure. Yeah, even, even before Facebook, it was, uh, it was forums, it was blogging. And I tried to get people, uh, it, was, it was actually a lot of forums, tried to get people to my website just by sending the link or pasting a link. Hey, check out every, uh, every week we do a new blog. So I do it consistently. Every Friday would come out. And so people knew every Friday was come out. And, and I have a little newsletter at the time that um, I kind of would send out just as reminders. And, and like I said, this, this was uh, dating back a, a little bit. And people are still getting used to this. But I got people coming to the website, reading the blogs, and then going, what is this black red thing all about? Right. right. And then seeing some clothing. And that's how it kind of. Right. Uh, that's kind of kind of how, how it grew. Yeah. So you know, it became that. secondary to the brand itself. Exactly. So the initial brand, you know, to the marketplace, what they really saw was someone who was just into the culture. Right. And then on the side, it was, well, here's my brand that goes along with that. I believe can add value to this culture. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I was willing to play the long game, too, with this. Um, I wanted to play the long game. I wanted to build a nice, rich community. Um, and I, and I, I really cared about the relationships. Right. Right? If we got any emails at that time or any inquiries, uh, I was right on them. Uh, my response time was, was pretty quick. And I just showed that I cared. And, and I did, truly. And you and did. I still do. Exactly. You know? And the passion pours into the product. And the product then showcases itself on its own. And, and of course, you have a successful business because of that. The marketplace rewards people for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it was just it was sincerity. I, I kind of brought the way that I grew up in my old school uh, Irish and Italian family out of respect and, and the, just, right. it, it was, it was very sincere and yeah. it still, it still is. It's, I, I and you gotta care. have a strong work ethic, a really strong work ethic to be able to endure the time. It takes a lot of patience it's to get there. And if you're not prepared for that, you know, you're, you're not going to make it. And when you have a strong work ethic, working hard is not a problem. So you don't, when you weigh the costs of patience, work ethic is not, it doesn't exist. It's not. It's not something you have to worry about. You have to worry about other things, but not work ethic. And work ethic is so important to have that. So I think that that's you know kudos to you for having that strong work ethic from an early age because it helps you get through those times. Um, what Thank were some you. of the challenges? So I'm talking e-commerce site versus brick and mortar. Everybody would assume that a brick and mortar store is harder to run, more expensive, and whatnot. But E-commerce has its set of problems as well. What did you encounter at the beginning? What were like the biggest hurdles you had at, at the beginning to get that e-commerce site going? Yeah, it, it was just um, what was going on back then was very manual. Everything was very, you had to know the code, um, you know, behind the scenes. There was, there was no apps at the time that you can kind of slide over. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, websites were... You had, to, you had to also change with, with the times a little bit, too. So it's from 2009 to 2010 to 2011, um, websites were changing, too. So not only was I learning about website code, but then I was like, oh, my God, people are getting kind of bored with this look. Mm -hmm. All right, this look is new. I need to relearn code. So at, at one point, I was like, what am I 
doing, right? I, I got into this clothing gig. Now right. I'm like, I feel like a pro coder. Right. right. So I, I wanted to make sure that uh, hopefully I wasn't going down that alley. And as the company grew, um, I also knew that, you know, if I needed to bring in some help, uh, I could do that. You could. And right. that's probably right. one place where you would, would rely on. Well, usually you get help in the places that you don't necessarily get excited about working. So right. That, that's, and, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. And it's not because you, you're not good at it. It's just it doesn't excite you. And when you're an entrepreneur, you have to feed the excitement. Otherwise, it gets dull and boring and you don't want it because it's a lot. It's a lot of burden. It's a lot to put on your shoulders every day. And if you're not excited about it, it, it can be yeah. a drag. So, um, you know, so so. Are you met with initial success? This community that you've built online um, through blogging and through forums and whatnot, do they, is it a medium, Im immediate success or did you still have to continue to work to prove yourself in the marketplace? Continue to work to prove continue. yourself, you know, especially back then when um, paid ads uh, weren't present like today. Um, you really just had to work out, get great content out, and you had to go out uh, manually to forums and everything else and make sure that you're putting your time in consistently. And that's the biggest part to all this. Right. Is, you know, you just can't do it on a Tuesday and not, then not do it for, for two more weeks going out. You really had to go in every day and just say to yourself, all right, I'm going to put X amount of hours into this and I'm going to go out and find people and bring people to me uh, by, by bringing some value to the table. Right, right. And so sourcing sourcing product, um, are you one of those guys that, that, you know, went out to China and found the cheapest product and how cheap can I get it? How cheap, 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 cheap? Or were you someone that sort of put the value of selling in America? Because American made... Um, sort of goes very well with this with this product. Um, so was it something that you initially did was just to say, hey, look, how cheap can I make it? Or was quality at the forefront of your decision making from the beginning? Yeah, it was it was always quality. One of my pet peeves uh, when I was younger was when I went to PacSun and, and uh, stores like that, you'd pick up a shirt and if it was DC Shoes or whoever, you'd, you'd pick up and it was just like, it was hard as, uh, the cotton was, it was just very hard and very cheap. I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like spending uh, $35, $40 for, for a really uncomfortable T-shirt or, or a hat that uh, just you could tell wasn't made, right? So right out the gate, um, I was all about quality. I, I did pay a little bit more uh, for the goods uh, at a time when I was growing. But you know what? I, I said to myself, I, I'd rather go start start with quality and, and continue with quality right. instead of getting and, some cheap stuff out there and people yeah. are stuck. And listen to the marketplace. And if, exactly. if, if they accept what you put out there, then you continue doing that. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to learn as an entrepreneur. You, you're established and you've, and you've felt it. You actually do it. I just heard you talk about it. But adjusting, adjusting, adjusting is, is something that is always going to happen. It never stops. The better you are at adjusting, the more you can sustain in the marketplace. So if you're a small business who's stuck on their ways, you've got like, the, the chips are already stacked against you. You have almost no chance. What happens is, I think a lot of times, is people see those those cornerstone businesses that have been doing the same thing for 35, like Prince Pizza, for example, on Route 1. Oh, yeah, right. Love it. Yep. They get the best pizza, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. They really do. But they haven't changed a thing in it's archaic. So many it's years. Archaic. But right. there can only be so many of those cornerstone businesses. Right. So I like that you're putting things out into the marketplace and you're testing it, and then you're getting the feedback, and then you're making your adjustments, or not making adjustments, depending on what, so you start with a high quality product, if the market rewards you for it, you continue. If for some reason they don't see the value in paying $30 for a t-shirt because it's 100% cotton, then you obviously would downgrade or upgrade f from there. Um, it's constant testing. You know, the product that we have today, to be honest, we didn't have 
back in 2009-2010, right? Um, T-shirt manufacturers have actually improved, right? And, and we've been through a ton of different um, products and a ton of different cottons and everything else. And we're constantly still testing because tomorrow something better might come out and we can't, we have to be innovative and, and say, hey, and open to there could be better out there, right? right. And, and, and always bring in new tests for us. Right. So you fell into the, 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 the hat business per se more because you put two things you love together. Um, and so you're ready to, to take the next step and grow your business exponentially. And that, that involves hiring employees, probably getting a, a warehouse, a design space, uh, something where that you can be creative. Um, when does that happen for you? Because you started in 2009. We're in 2019. It's been, you've been in business for 10 years. When, when, when did that explosion happen? Or when did it happen that you were expanding so quickly you had to actually make those moves? Yeah, I would say, I would say uh, cut that in half, and that's when it started to really... Year five. Yeah, really kind of blow up. And I, I think that's when social media really put a big push to right. things because we said to ourselves, okay, instead of us going out manually now so much, we have exposure to pretty much anyone at any time. Right. Um, now it's up to us to utilize our tools, social media. If it was, uh, it was more Facebook. It was more Facebook uh, back uh, back then. Now, now it's all Instagram. Right. right. And so, and you started obviously as a anyone who visits um, um, the Black Red uh, Instagram account can see that you 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 don't just do hats. I mean, you started as you wanted to be sort of I forget the name of the brand that you referred to in the in the yeah, snow. say the Fox Racing or Fox Racing. Though. You wanted yeah. to be something like Fox Racing, but f for hats um, with the trucking world, which is a big space. And you, you're starting to see now some more apparel is being released. I see some T-shirts. I see some tank tops for the ladies. Yeah. So, you know, some scully caps. Um, so it's not just trucks, truck hats, but it started with truck hats, and that's sort of like the, 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 the cornerstone of your business. Um, when you make that expansion, though, and I want to bring in John Akari, because John's been sitting patiently with us quietly. Actually, he's instead of peep, which is really very, great. Very quiet. It's unusual. Yeah, very quiet, yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to mess up anything. <laughs> so welcome, uh, John Akari. Thank you. Um, and John is the marketing director for Black Red. And John's here tonight because one of the things I really um, found to be sort of the, the, the trademark skill, per se, of John Walsh's business, um, Black Red Headwear, is how they managed to maintain a strong social presence with relative content and um, sort of also engage their customers and be active within their community online. But John Akari is the one who's actually now taking the helm, and he's the one who's executing that stuff for John Walsh. So, John, talk to me a little bit about what your role in the company is and when you came in, what was told to you was the vision of the, of the, of the business and where it's going and what adjustments that you've made to the company, what kind of value you've brought in from that. So I don't know. It's probably been about a year been with, with John and Black Red. I mean, I've known him for six, seven years. Met him through cars, and cars bring people together, and right. that's how we Oh, so do you guys introduced. meet like a car show? Mustangs. Oh, you're, Mustangs. you both have Mustangs, yeah. yeah. So ever since then, we've been, you know, good friends, and recently we started hitting the gym, and we started talking business, and, you know, one thing leads to another, and I'm working with him in Black Red, you know, going to events, shows. So did you just graduate college? I did. I graduated in uh, actually last January. Yeah, where'd you go? Endicott. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So you're a local guy. Yeah. So I graduated business and, um, 
you know, John needed a little bit of help with his uh, social media, a little bit of paid advertising, stuff like that. I've always been kind of had a little bit of a And, of a course, the assumption is you're 22, which means you're an expert at it. Right. Right? Bingo. Yeah, sure. Right? right. Bingo. Right. Bingo. I mean, because to me, I'm looking at it saying, you know, that's there are a lot of kids your age graduating mm-hmm. college who are trying to identify their position in the marketplace right now. Right. And there are so many small brick and mortar, just brick and mortar businesses mm-hmm. that are lacking in such a – they're lacking – bad mm-hmm. in that department that nobody's sort of made that link yet it's it amazes me this somebody should be starting a company on the north shore that just services the businesses on the north shore for their social media stuff mm-hmm. like some young dude needs to listen to this podcast hire five of his friends and then go solicit small businesses so that they can post their social stuff because you know not, i don't want to say we but we because we're a little older john right, right. you know I'm, I'm almost 40 I'm right at the line. There are so many people who own businesses that are older than me that need someone like John Akari to come in and sort of take over marketing. We can't afford it, right? Like we don't want to. We don't want to pay someone full time. But if there was a small boutique firm that you could hire and pay a, a relatively fair fee for, it'd blow it up. Not to go in a different direction. Yeah, maybe we I'm should an have an entrepreneur. A side yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is where my mind goes. But, <laughs> but so this is you know ultimately, and you end up bringing bringing John in because this is his area of expertise. Yeah, we do, and. Um, I, I always liked John, and uh, it was it was funny because uh, John, at, at his age, was was always mature, right? And I think that's one thing that that I always loved as a business owner. I always wanted someone. Uh, if we're going to bring anyone on to the company, it's a representation of us, right? And um, staying with the whole quality of everything, also the quality of people, right? Um, right, and buying into your culture, buying into the culture, and we knew that culture was everything. And and John's just a good guy. He's got a great family, and he's always showed me that he's got that entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, taking him on board, hopefully he's, he's learning from s- some stuff from us, and, and he has a bright future going forward. But r- as of right now, we're, uh, we're, I'm very blessed to have John on board. So what kind of stuff are you doing, John? Like, what do you – because I, I, I follow you guys on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, um, and I see you guys putting out some really cool, really nice stuff, mm-hmm. very, very um, well-branded, um, n- not overbearing Mm-hmm. A good balance, um, right where you want apparel on apparel company and a more accessory style apparel company to be. Because, what? So sorry. Where? Do, what did you bring to the table? So what did you sort of come in and say? You know what, uh, John? This is what we need to do. So initially, I, I wasn't even the the marketing guy. I came in as an extra body to really help with shows and oh, wow. logistics and and stuff like that, which I, I still do today. It's still a big part of the you know the whole black red culture and uh, business but more recently uh, we've been just talking about different paid advertising campaigns and really narrowing on your target market and a big misconception on uh, Instagram ads and, and paid advertising is oh it's a, there's a lot of money to be burned in that incorrect targeting your audience is too broad so a, a big part of it is really small testing small dollar amounts seeing what your conversion rates are seeing the amount of traffic that you're getting from said ad right. and, and really narrowing on in on that and just replicating, right? right? So you can, you know, you, I mean, the demographics, it's, it's ridiculous. You can target people by their interests, who they follow, uh, age, right. gender, yeah. just about everything. Location. Geographic location, yeah. right? Which, again, is for a lot of brick-and-mortar stores, it's just too much. They're busy making a pizza or they're busy, you know, selling a, a, a suit or they're, you know, they're... You know, they're busy doing other things. It's that's a very skilled trade mm-hmm. to learn. Are you learning as you're going? Still yourself? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, because they're always changing like algorithms, and Instagram always wants something. So you know, 
one of the more recent things Instagram has been um, really catering towards are people that spend more money. So if, you, if you're not doing any paid advertising, you're only marketing really to your, your, the people that follow you. Right. Right. Um, yeah, you can get on the Discover page and, you know, through hashtags and, and tagging people and, and engagement and comments. And, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult. So let's say, you know, John puts 100 bucks at an ad and, you know, maybe you put nothing. He's going to get priority. Right. And, and so yeah, that's, they, they just promote people that spend the money. Right. You know? Yeah, the, the algorithms have constantly been changing. That's one thing that we always keep up on. And uh, we, we follow Instagram on Instagram. Right. We get their newsletters because if we're doing uh, their old algorithm, when things change, we're not up to par. Right. right. We're, we're not being as innovative. We're not doing our job. Right. We're not getting to the right people. And, and we don't want to see a decrease in our business. We want to go the other way. Also, it let's say you put a hundred bucks in, if you're not targeting correctly, you're not going to see the return anyways. Of course. So, that's, that's you know, where I say you're burning cash. Right. Um, and sometimes you, sometimes you will get some long-term, you know, as a car dealer, you're playing a long-term game. People only transact every three to five years. So it, for me, it's more just important to be in front of you from time to time and remind you of how good of a place it is to buy a car. But for apparel, food, things like that, you need to be a little more involved um, day to day. So, and like you guys are, but so when I see a business, um, I always like to look at sort of what what would pose the, the most challenges. Um, so, what are what for brick and mortar location, location, location? Right, that's the old motto: is if you're not creating an experience that will drive traffic to you, if you don't have a destination business, then location is paramount. Um, what is the location factor in in today's e-commerce business? Or, or right, so you're talking like targeting where, where is to that find what, your. So it, it's really. You're going to the most dense population of uh, where people have your interest, right? So there's not a since Black Red's geared towards the truck industry, there's not a lot of truck people in in Rhode Island per se. Okay. Right. But you go down to southern states, more like Texas, Florida, you know, places where there's a big car culture and big communities, you find that it's it's easier to convert. Right. When you're going to dense communities like right. that. So e although you're a business here in Boston, you know, if I'm selling hats at a, at a brick and mortar store in Boston, I'm limited to the people that are walking through my store in, in the old days. Nowadays, I can also have an e-commerce site, right? And this is not news to anybody, but I'm just trying to show the context between the old school and the new school. So right. you can have an e-commerce store. Most people stop there. They just have an e-commerce store. But what you're saying is now I can be a, 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 a hat company in Boston that actually spends most of their time targeting customers in the southern United States because that's where the culture is more prevalent. That's a whole new ball game. Right. So you're spending most of your time looking at, say, Florida or Texas, which there's big trucker communities out there. Mm -hmm. um, not that there isn't in Boston. There is, but right. like you said, it's just more prevalent there. What do you think sort of gives you a competitive advantage? Because I spoke with you guys before the, the, the podcast started, like, I, like it's customary, and... Um, one of the things we talked about is the fact that you are sort of at the at the cutting edge and at the top of your class when it comes to the trucking hat and that industry. What do you think puts you guys ahead there? Is it the marketing? Is it the product quality? Is it? Yeah, um, we, yeah. we we actually do a lot of a lot of surveys um, to find out that reason, right? We want we want to know, um, but through through surveys, through testing, through through messages that come through our Instagram and and website, um, they like. They like the cleanliness of uh, the brand. They like that it's simple. 
they like that we exist. Um, we respond to every single message. Uh, we get sometimes uh, 50 to 75 a, a day now. Wow, but yeah. we get back to every single person. Uh, and it's not just an emoji. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's got some depth to it. Um, so I, I think they feel like they can be involved in something uh, that's, that's you know, meaningful and someone's on the other end listening. Right, right. And that's important to people who are transacting t- with a business that doesn't literally have a physical face right. associated to it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really, even if you have a Facebook page nowadays, you have to respond to, to the messages because otherwise it's like a dead Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Don't, it's, there's no reason to have uh, any type of social media if you're not going to have a, a social media game plan. And, and that has to be consistent. If that's going to be daily, weekly, monthly, well uh, said. Right, you right. got to have a game plan. Most people Otherwise, stop at having a social media page. Yeah. And if you follow them, you'll notice every once in a while they'll put something up. It doesn't it doesn't work because social media is a culture driven. Uh, yeah. Yeah. World, yep. and you have to create a culture, and it has to be consistent. And a lot of people just open up a page as if it's like a listing in the in the yellow book. The old school yellow yeah, book. That's, back a, that's in the actually day. a great, yeah, it's, great way to look at it's it. It's like, yeah, I have a Facebook page, but it's more like a listing in the yellow book. But it, it's not. It's it's live. It's, it's supposed to be social. It's real. Right? Yeah. Right? It's it's, right. it's an organism, and yeah. it's and, and it needs to it needs to grow, and it needs to grow through developing culture. Um, was this sort of your first step owning Black Red? Was this sort of your first big step in in branching out and hiring? Yeah, absolutely. And so, was that critical that your number one hire was? Absolutely. In the marketing department. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to always scale up. And then when I started to see some traction, uh, the entrepreneur in me said, okay, how can we automate and how can we scale up at this point? Right. right? We know there's a, an active public that likes what we're doing. Um, we're being genuine back and, and they like that. How, how can we get this? Uh, if, say, we're at a, an eight, how, how can we be at 11? Right. And, and we, how fast can we get there by still keeping our roots, right. the quality, and everything else intact? And that was to bring on good people that understand what the goals are, and uh, and, and let's let's scale this thing up. And, and you guys out. obviously get along. I mean, well, you get along very well. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. get along, and you have the same vision. Right. Yeah, and we, we also, uh, outside of work, too, we have the same hobbies, right? We have the same hobbies. We have the same outlook. And yep. like I was saying about John, uh, he's always been more mature for his age, even though I'm 35 and John's in his, uh, in his twenties. And, uh, I sometimes I wish, up. sometimes I wish we could clock, <laughs> clock back a little bit, but, uh, yeah, John's, John's got a great insight, uh, for his age. And, um, I respect that big time. That's cool. That's really good. Yeah. Because you can, you have a lot to learn. You know, he's a seasoned entrepreneur. Uh, you're a young up and coming entrepreneur. There's so much you really got to treasure, because most most people who work for someone don't get to interact with their boss on a personal level. They only know their boss for what they are at work, but that's only one portion of who they are and what drives them as an entrepreneur. You know, your entrepreneurial spirit doesn't doesn't end when you when when you punch out, right? Like right. it just it continues through life. So when you get to see that fire in other things, mm-hmm. it validates that person's spirit per se, and it makes you appreciate it more. So I hope you get to see that because it's something cool for you to share with someone else in the future, right? Like, you know, paying it forward is really what you're doing. Um, I noticed something which I think is really cool about your brand that you guys do um, like monthly releases uh, for a new product. Um, so talk to me a little bit about where that came from and why. And um, Yeah, yeah. I, I, looked at, I looked at what people were doing and I said, um, we want to create something uh, like I was back in the day, we were putting out these blogs and we were doing it weekly. I said, how can I now utilize that same type of deal with, with, with product? 
I have all this product and, and I, I don't want to have it in inventory. I want that stuff out, right? Right, right. So why don't we create something special, something that um, people know uh, could be on a limited basis, right? Limited time sale basis. And, uh, and let's release a date. Let's build some, some excitement. Let, and we're excited about it too, right? right? right. All right, hey, August 1st is our, our next release. And uh, we build we build it up on on Instagram. We get people kind of going crazy. We go crazy, and then uh, it hits the website, and and usually within uh, 24 hours, uh, the hats are sold. Wow! And uh, that's that, cool. that's a cool feeling right. uh, from a, from a company perspective, looking at it and seeing all the orders come in and, and all the messages come in, and, and the sincerity of hey, and I added another one to the collection, and we're right. like, that's really cool, right? We so do you guys ever get a chance to head down south to where a lot of your your customers are? Yeah, we do. Um, and next year. We're we're going to we're planning to go to Texas, planning to go to Florida. Um, they have a really they're gonna have a really big show in Atlantic City. So that's one of the biggest things is obviously we're active on social media, but the same sense these big events that that go down, we have to be present. People do still have to see. I I think and and it's nice for us to to put a face to a name and and give it a, give an old handshake and say hey it's it's nice to finally meet you right you you own every single one of our hats right you've been around since I started. Uh, I know you live in Texas. I'm right. in Boston, but what's going on? And they usually say, you're a Boston guy. You're up, you're up saying hi to me. I know. Right. Uh, we didn't think you guys from new England were that nice. Right. Right. right, right. But we are. So, um, I, I actually enjoy that the most. I, I love the relationship stuff. Yeah. I've always been someone. That how are people down South? Like, how are they to deal with? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm from the North shore of Boston. Like right. I've never done business with anybody in the South. Right. I mean, I would imagine based on what American culture tells me is that they're, you know, everything works on a gentleman's handshake and it's really old school American. Is that, is that how it is? Yeah. It's, it's uh, well, I can speak for the truck industry. It's a great industry. Right. Uh, it's, it's one big family. Right. And I, I know a lot of people speak to their industry very similar, but I'm, I'm very intimate with it. And I've met a lot of guys and, and a lot of guys down South are just very genuine. Uh, they like what you're doing. They they like that we came down the East Coast to see them, uh, and and it's yeah it's just it's good it's good conversation and I think it's always nice to kind of compare lifestyles a little bit and learn something right. about people who yeah. we don't interact with every day uh, personally right right face to face face to face face to face because there's a lot of interaction going on online but of course you know they, of course. That, that only can tell you so much about somebody. Of course, yeah. yeah. And they'll always make fun of the Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a, right. they love it and hate it at the same time. Yeah. And the Patriots, of they course, really, they really nobody love likes it. the Patriots, yeah. right? right. We try so, not to talk about sports. Right. Yeah. So what's what's on the menu for the future of Black Red Headwear? Like what what are we looking at? I'm sure expansion is 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 on your radar. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about what you feel the future of the brand is going to be. Yeah, I mean definitely uh, evolving, scaling up, um, creating more products. Um, our la- one of our last releases, we actually created a hat from complete scratch. So we didn't we didn't use one. Of so our before you were buying hats and right. adding your customization to it, and now this is a big leap. So you're you're actually buying and manufacturing the product yourself almost yeah correct so it's completely uh, a branded black red hat even from all the little details inside uh, our website and all the little stitching it's all black red and that was such a good feeling wow right that for, for me as an owner i keep looking back to being at that coffee table at my apartment mm-hmm. back in 09 when it's just, just a little drafting. sketch and I'm like, oh my God. It's funny, if you I, listen to my right. podcast, I had a gentleman, um, nice guy, Mike Shafino. He owns Holy Cow Ice Cream. Yes. Shout out to Mike. You still owe me a, an ice cream, by the way. I did listen to that. Okay. <laughs> he actually had the same experience. He was selling Richardson's ice cream, yeah. and he was he figured out how to make his own ice cream, and now he's like just ignited a whole new fire in his business because it's so much different when you create the product you sell right. 
to where you just resell a product, right? It must be. I don't know. I resell other people's products. But to create a product from scratch and be a part of all of the nooks and crannies of that product and then what is it? Talk to me a little bit. I think you were getting there anyways before I rudely interrupted, no, no, but go no for it. Tell me what that does for you. It makes me think back of all the hard years that you put in. It makes you think of the things that not a lot of people see, all the, all the back-end type stuff that uh, us entrepreneurs do, all the blood, sweat, and tears, all the nights that you're saying, what am I doing up at 1 a.m. right now when I should be sleeping, right? right. And uh, you look at the end result and you say, this is why I'm here, and this is why I just took my last you know, 10 or so years and, and committed myself, and this is it. it it's kind of like an end result of your hard work, and right. I know a lot of entrepreneurs can, can, uh, can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, it, the end of the road is almost nothing that I ever think of because I don't know what that would look like. I don't imagine, I don't live in a world where I'm working toward the end of something. Mm -hmm. I'm just working my way through you know, this journey yeah. oh, of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. But I agree with you. It's something, there's something to be said about when you reach, when you hit certain milestones in your business, it's so rewarding for yourself, for your family, for the people around you, for your business. Um, but recognizing them is something that most people don't do often. They don't take the time to stop and celebrate their achievements because they're so busy grinding. And it's almost like a double-edged sword. You know, it's the grind that got you there, but it's the grind that, that, makes you ignorant to, to enjoying your successes. Did you get a chance yet to sort of really, I mean, I know when my brother and my brother and I own a, a, my business together. Um, and when we first started becoming successful and, and I've talked about this before, I went six years when I started this business, I went six years without a paycheck, no paycheck. Um, a lot of people don't know that, you know, like I was just doing whatever, like buying clothes from target, whatever I could. I, I, I didn't care what people thought about me. I was on a mission. Um, but when we started, hitting our goals, when things started coming to fruition, when we quote unquote made our own hat, um, we used to pop a bottle of champagne every month at the end of the month because in the car business we're, very, we're monthly driven. So we used to pop a bottle of champagne at the end of every month to celebrate you know, our achievements. Are you doing anything like that? Please tell me you are. And if not, will you please start? We need to do more, but yes, we, we are. It's, it's, do you guys ever just go out for a drink and say like... Of course, yeah. And, many and drinks. I, I think many, <laughs> many drinks, right? Uh, someone has to drive home, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, of course, and I, I think as of recent too, with with our success on social media and our expansion and um, how the brand's growing and where we are in the industry, we're starting to feel it more. I think all our hard work's uh, starting to show, and um, you know we're we're two very humble people, right. and at the end of the day, um, we want to continue uh, being humble and and also recognizing, hey, you know what? If we continue to work hard, um, great things will happen, and and we both enjoy that. Right. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. Well, look, it was awesome having you guys on the show. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and I look forward to somehow getting you guys back on the show because I think I feel like we had we had a good talk uh, before the show and during the show. So um, for everybody out there listening, um, one of the Johns, you guys mind just giving a shout out to to your IG and Facebook? Yeah, no problem at all. So uh, on Instagram, we're Black Red Headwear. Facebook, uh, Black Red Headwear. And uh, we're predominantly very, very active on Instagram. Come and say hi. Drop us a message. And uh, we usually put any and all events across the country up there. Uh, we'd love to see you guys.